Welcome to MHM Podcast Network on moviehousememories.com. Podcast for pod people. Our feature presentation begins now. Welcome back to the golden age of the silver screen on the MHM Podcast Network, where each episode we review a film from the 1930s or 40s. I'm Chris. I'm Lori. And I'm Patrick. And for this episode, we've got us a Depression-era screwball comedy. Is that an oxymoron, maybe? I don't know. Uh, 1936's My Man Godfrey, starring William Powell, his ex-wife Carol Lombard, Alice Brady, but no silver screen wife of Myrna Loy, unfortunately. Sorry, Lori. In this one, Irene is a young, wealthy, and immature Manhattanite, say that one 10 times fast, who wins a high society scavenger hunt after finding a forgotten man named Gottfried in a nearby Hooverville. Uh, immediately smitten with the man, because why couldn't you not be? Uh, Irene hires him as the family butler because her family is insane. Um, I think this is the definition of batshit crazy for the 1930s. But her family is insane, and they they cannot keep these uh, butlers from quitting on them or having uh, Irene's arrogant sister Cornelia from getting them fired or arrested. Who knows? She's got a, a, a history of calling the cops, it sounds like. Uh, however, Godfrey isn't really the man we think he is. And after hitting rock bottom in that dump, it has left him a changed man forever. But will Irene win his heart? Watch the film and find out. Sounds like a comedy, doesn't it? Yeah. Destitution, poverty, uh, you know, uh, hobos. Hobos are always hilarious. I mean, Alienation. <laughs> Yeah, uh, gigolos, but we refer to them as protégés. Um, <laughs> protégé. <laughs> that cracks that me was up. funny. Yeah, a protégé, huh? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, Patrick, did yes. you do numbers for this one? I did. Oh, how did it do back <laughs> in the day? My man Godfrey is based on the 1935 novel uh, 1101 Park Avenue. Uh, it was released on September 6th. 1936, the same year as The Great Ziegfeld, San Francisco, The Plainsman, Modern Times, Saving Time, and a film that we've re reviewed before, After the Thin Man, made on a budget of just over $575,000. It grossed a whopping $684,000, so I guess you could call it profitable, was nominated for six Academy Awards, winning a whopping none, uh, nominated for Best Actor. William Powell lost to Paul Mooney for the story of Louis Pasteur. Uh, Best Actress, Caroline Bard, lost to Louise Rayner in The Great Ziegfeld. Uh, Best Supporting Actor, uh, Misha Aver, who played the gigolo, lost to Walter Brennan, Brennan for Come and Get It. Uh, Best Supporting Actress, Alice Brady, lost to Gail Sandergaard in Anthony Adverse. And the best director, Gregory, Gregory LaCava, lost to 
uh, Frank Capra for Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, and then Best Writing Screenplay, the film lost to the screenplay for the story of Louis Pasteur. Uh, in 2006, the Premier Magazine placed this film in the list of the 50 greatest comedies of all time. It's on Roger Ebert's list of uh, great movies list. Uh, it is in the book, The 1001 Movies You Must See Before You Die. Uh, AFI in 2000, it was number 44 on its list of 100 funniest Com uh, funniest comedy films or funniest films was nominated for AFI's 1998 100 Greatest Films list and 2002 100 Greatest Love Stories list, but failed to meet uh, make the top 100. Was remade in 1957 with David Niven as Godfrey, and it was placed in the National Film Registry in 1999. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 97% critics and 90% audience, and that is the numbers on my man Godfrey. And wasn't that the first film that was the most nominated film for an Academy Award back in uh, at 1936, like for for the longest time, actually, right? For the most nominations. I don't know if it was for the nominations. It was a film that got not. It was the, and I think it still is to this day the only film that was nominated for all four acting categories, director and screenplay, but didn't receive a Best Picture nominee. William Powell, we have been reviewing all of his Thin Man films once a year. Um, for the past few years, uh, this is, uh, this is very much in his wheelhouse. This is the kind of shtick I know him for, but he wasn't terribly drunk in this one. Uh, Lori, what did you think of William Powell in this one? Sans Myrna Loy. I thought this was, um, one of his best performances. I really do. I just thought he embodied Godfrey perfectly. I really like the way that that he played him and and he was so dignified you knew from the start that there was something more to him as he was sitting at the bonfire well yeah you know something he's there's something more to him because he's william fucking powell <laughs> so. <laughs> but i would have thought that even if he wasn't yeah. william effing powell <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I find that little, little disingenuous. Granted, I'm character, uh, you know, uh, typecasting him because I know him as the thin man. Uh, you know, I, I got to say that I'm becoming a, an extreme William Powell fan because uh, I've really enjoyed the thin man movies. I really did enjoy this film. I think he does a great job uh, as a performance. I, I don't think at any point in time that he's quite as effective at playing the, uh, you know, the forgotten man if you will, uh, living on the street, uh, you know, a hand to mouth. Uh, but he only plays that for a, a first 10 minutes of the film. And then he becomes the butler and he, he's very much more comfortable with that, but he has great, uh, timing as far as comedy in the film, especially with his one liners and his wit. I just really like him in, in this role, but I've also liked him in the, all the other roles, which I, I honestly have to say, I probably have seen him in other films, but I don't remember him until the last few years when we were reviewing The Thin Man and now this film. He really just rolls that wit off the tongue, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. It's, I mean, he's so wonderfully effective with it. Did you think his beard was weird? Yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, like the grease paint that they put over whatever, what one day of growth he may have had to make it look like he hadn't shaved for a long time. Yeah, that. that. I mean, part of it is, I don't know what you saw it on Lori, but mine was a high definition restored version on a HD TV. So maybe that had something to do with it, but it would look pretty, pretty weird. Pretty fake. Yeah. 
But, uh, you know, I, I, I think William Powell's wit and humor just translated into real life. I don't know to what extent he was and was not acting with that because um, he was married to some very lovely ladies and the ladies seemed to love him. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's that wit and charm that we see on screen that translated into real life. Probably, I would assume so. Including to Carol Lombard. Carol Lombard, who was his ex-wife at this time, and he actually recommended her for this part. Uh, they had great chemistry together. What, what's funny to me is uh, Carol Lombard was playing the younger sister, but she was actually older than uh, the actress who played Cornelia, and I'm blanking out on her name right now. Gail Patrick. Um, and uh, Gail Patrick always played some some pretty conniving ladies. But I thought that Carol uh, was a very playful personality on the screen. And we, Patrick and I will talk about this when we do the Criterion Review, something of a real-life potty mouth that they had to watch uh, when uh, they were filming this. <laughs> but um, Carol Lombard, she was a delight to watch on this one. Uh, no, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, I wasn't paying attention during the credits and I didn't realize it was Carol Lombard until I was watching the stuff on the Criterion. And I was like, I didn't even recognize her. You know, she, I mean, she just inhabited that character so well and it was not what I expected from her. And I didn't realize it was her until later. I just saw, I thought I saw it was as an actress that I just was unfamiliar with. And then I'm like, Oh, I am very familiar with her. And, and I just, didn't associate her with that role. So it, a very good job with that performance. She lights up the screen every time she's on it. And this was typical, amazing performance by her. She just glows. And I agree. At first I was like, is that Carol Lombard? Because I had seen the, the credits and um, didn't recognize her either. Yeah. And she unfortunately passed away in 1942, just a few years later in a plane accident. Much too soon. Yeah. Much too soon. 33 when she passed away. I mean, just an amazingly short career. Which is also interesting to me because William Powell was with Jean Harlow when she passed away and uh, she died very young as well. William Powell, what's what's the deal? I don't know. The next one I want to talk about is Alice Brady because as I get older and I don't feel old, certain little things in life remind me that, yeah, I'm old. Uh, Alice Brady played the mom, the mother of the two daughters, with the, with the protege, quote-unquote protege. Alice Brady was 44 years old when she filmed this part, which is way younger than I am at this point and depresses me a little. But she's supposed to be playing this older, spoiled mom, I guess. Any opinions on the Alice Brady character, Lori? She was delightful in her part. She was kind of a, I don't want to say kind of a caricature, but she played it well and, and made her still likable i thought so i thought she played it really well <laughs> i hated her character did you did I, I i did not like her character of all, all the uh, family she's the one who annoyed me the most although i have to say doing the research after the film the fact that carlo is supposed to be a gigolo who's basically having sex with her and her husband allows her to have it I thought that made the character a lot more interesting as far as the family dynamic, but obviously they would never allow that at the time <laughs> for him to actually be that so openly. Cause I kept going to, what is he learning from her? <laughs> and now, now we know. Do you go? Yeah. I didn't like him. No, I didn't like him either, but it, it's, I just didn't like, I mean, of 
of the family that he, her character is the one that I thought really had very little to do or really any, any importance into it. And I just disliked her character the most. I, I, I don't think it was a bad performance. I just, I didn't like the character. It's funny that her protege was uh, eating her husband out of <laughs> everything. Uh, every time you saw him, he was eating. It was hilarious. He couldn't even talk because he had food in his mouth. Oh, man, that, that guy, they had him portray a monkey to cheer up Irene. He's like, but my heart's not in it. <laughs> this was a great That's ensemble cast, awkward. though. Uh, you know, they all seem to be having fun in their parts. And everybody's, I think everybody did work very well with uh, within the script and within each other. I agree. Uh, no, I, I think that there was a lot of chemistry with it. I think everybody generally works. Uh, in the film and uh, considering reading about it that they did they had kind of seen outlines but not specific dialogue it worked pretty well you know if they're doing a, a almost a uh, god not as a Christopher Guest uh, kind of approach of here's an outline go in there and just make up the dialogue as you go they, they did pretty it, it worked pretty well for its day and time uh, do you guys have any talking points that you want by the way Dory well, why Godfrey does what he does? I mean, I I understand they gave him a chance, but he's literally the family savior and presumably a very effective savior. Although he stole the necklace to become the savior, uh, it, it I know he has such disgust for kind of the wealthy and the elite at the beginning when they are doing their scavenger hunt. To me, it seems to go against type and character from what you, you establish this character as is to, to basically save them rather than let them fall to their own disgrace based off their own actions. Uh, you know, I, I, I know it plays better in a screwball comedy for them to do that and then all express their gratitude to him and see, and, and stop treating him as servant and more of an equal after that. But I, I, I did I, that twist. I didn't necessarily appreciate or like that much. And because they are generally such horrible people, as far as not appreciation, appreciating their station in life and how uh, the the wealth that they have, I kind of wanted to see their downfall. I think that the audience would have liked to have seen rich people fall. Yes, that, that, I, I would have played very well in the yeah. Depression era to see the wealthy fall apart, especially when people couldn't get, you know, were having trouble feeding themselves. Yeah, I guess I they were so wacky. And loony that I had empathy for them. Yeah, but the um, the the sister, I, God, I can't not Carol Lombard, the other one who treats Cornelia? him like, yeah, Cornelia, sorry, who treats him like crap. Apparently, is uh, caused uh, helped cause m many of the other butlers to fail. You got the mother mm -hmm. who's dating a gigolo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they don't say it in the film, but that was the intended purpose. That's who he is dating. That's a what gigolo. he apparently was in the book. And that's what Godfrey was supposed to be for Irene. Yeah. yeah. And then the, you know, the, you know, husband who allows it all to happen in front of his eyes, you know, Irene who apparently gets engaged and breaks off engagements everywhere. I mean, her love for Godfrey seems to be very tenuous at best. I know because it's Carol Lombard and William Powell, that's what we're supposed to cheer for is the two of them uh, uniting at the end. But is, did she really love him or she is, you know, why, why does she really love Godfrey and take su such an instant in interest in him? It, it's the, I mean, 
the the plot is pretty paper thin. Great performances and great acting, not necessarily a great plot. Did she want Godfrey because she wanted to beat Cornelia, knowing that Cornelia can never have him? Because he helped her beat Cornelia for the first time, okay. according to her. Really? I mean, really? Okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna it's a stretch, but yeah. This, by the way, this poor man that I found in a dump. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's and it's it's not Whom just she a immediately stretch. fell it's in like, love with. Who happens yeah, it, to not be a poor man? Well, th- th- that's later. I mean, we, we she doesn't know that when she falls True. in love with him. Let me tell you something. Anybody that they call Duke, who's living in a dump, he's really not poor. Yes, the Dukes. Uh, Lori, so I got to ask the uh, important questions. Should yes. William Powell's character have ended up with Irene or the maid Molly? With Irene. Because she's Carol Lombard. I was disappointed that he went with Irene. I would like to have seen him with Molly. Uh, Patrick, but any opinion? Oh, go ahead. They Mark. had more. They had more in com- He had more in common with Irene than with really? with Molly. Well, they just didn't build that relationship. If they had shown more of it, maybe I would have felt that way. Yeah, I will agree with you on that, Lori. That they are hinting at Molly having feel feelings for Godfrey, but there's no, there's not, there's even no development. Hint. Yeah. There's no development of any kind of affection from Godfrey towards her. She's just somebody he works with. Uh, that being said, I think Molly is a better, I disagree with you. I think Molly's a better match. I think he has more in common with her because she seems to have an understanding of the world around her. Irene lives in cl- in the clouds. She's in a dream world. You know, everything is provided for, she throws her hysterics that nothing is to me is a match with Godfrey and their relationship is a fraud. And ultimately I don't, there is no hap in my mind, there is no happily ever after one of the reasons Godfrey doesn't necessarily want to even marry her. You know, he never really on screen, never commits to it. I mean, he, he acquiesces is a film ends, but he repeatedly says it's not a working relationship. And I, I agree with that, that he didn't seem to, have the affection for her that she had for him. I would have chosen Cornelia over Irene. No. Yeah. Although she did come around. I, I, I got to say, I thought in the film, the way that they were putting those characters at odds, that the, I thought the sexual tension was more between the two of them than it was with Irene. Yeah, I agree. And I, I thought that's where Godfrey was ultimately, he, I thought that was going to be the arc that he converts her to essentially to be a, a decent and good person. And that was going to be the character arc of the influence of Godfrey on her. Irene just, I love him. I love him from the get go. And he just kind of always keeping her at arm's length the entire time and her desperation to, to be in a relationship with him. There was no character arc whatsoever other than they end up together. That's almost what she's like. That's what she wants at the first 10 minutes. And that's how the film ends. But the film does end without his crappy beard. So high five to Godfrey. So there was yeah. progress. Yeah. Yes, but he opened a club with all the bums that were down there living in the dump. Still apparently living somewhere homeless because they still had to build the, I forget what they called them. 
I don't remember the bungalows or the hotel or the apartment. I, I mean, basically, it's sure they can live there. Was it live there in the winter, work in the other place in the summer? Like, well, shouldn't the club be open year round? <laughs> you would think so. But no, snowbirds. Uh, all right. After all said and done on a scale of one to five, do you consider this film a bad one or do you give it a high five? And since we've uh, reviewed a number of screwball comedies at this point, from what we've reviewed that you could think of, where does this rate? What do we have on there? Patrick, you weren't on Balls of Fire, were you? Ball I was fire. not. Uh, what was the other Cary Grant one that we did? Um, Bring our baby? old lace. So no, got- that was the house memories. <laughs> so anyway, we've got a few on there. there. Uh, Lori, That's what do you give ball. this one? And how screwball is this one for you? Okay, I'm going to give the film a four. And I'm going to give the screwball a 10 on a scale of one to five. <laughs> That's wacky. It's the only wackier film I can think of is you can't take it with you. The characters are wha- even wackier. Patrick? Yeah, they're pretty wacky in that film. Um, I'm going to give the film like a four and a quarter. I, th- I, I really, really did enjoy the film a lot. I'd never seen this before. And I was severely entertained. It has plot issues and that prevents it from being a perfect five for me. But uh, I, I did enjoy uh, the overall uh, presentation of the film. And I thought it was very, some parts were very, very clever. And I thought the acting was superb in it. As far as screwball, uh, I would put it as probably a six and a half. Sorry, you said out of five, right? So probably about a three and a half. I don't think it's the most screwball comedy. I think Bringing Up Baby is a much bigger screwball comedy than this and effectively a screwball comedy. And I know we did review that, I believe, last year. So I, I like, and I like that one better. I think that there's, a, I think Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn are really, really good in that. I give this four and a half stars. I really enjoyed the film. That's kind of why I recommended this one, actually. But um, I, I agree with the the story points. There's a lot of plot holes. Maybe it's just because it's a uh, 90 year old film almost, and uh, you know it just doesn't hold up today. Some of those points, but there's still a lot of relevance in it. I think uh, class warfare. You know, people being very poor, other people being very rich, and the two not being able to connect anymore. But screwball. I think this is actually kind of screwball comedy light. To be honest, I think it's it's a comedy, but to me, it doesn't come off really that screwball. Um, not, not anywhere where Cary Grant can, can be pretty screwy. So, uh, screwball light for me, Lori, I'm going to give it a three out of 10. Really? I thought it was, I don't, I I thought, I thought it was just an enjoyable comedy, but not terribly screwy. Mm -hmm. That's funny because I didn't, I don't, I didn't think bringing a baby was more screwball. I don't know. I could relate more to those characters, I think, maybe is why. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that's it for our review of My Man Godfrey. Please let us know what you think of the film in the comments section and how screwball it is for you. For our listeners over on moviehousememories.com, please rate it from one to five stars on that page. And if you've enjoyed today's review, please don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel the MHM Podcast Network, where we have many, many more film reviews from yesterday, today, and beyond. Until the next time at the big show, where we will review another classic from the 1930s or 40s, which I don't know what the heck it is. Is Swing Time up next, Lori? I don't know. 
It's I don't know. That's a good movie. Lori's going to bring her dancing shoes and I'll bring the uh, Ginger Rogers dress. I feel so pretty when I do that. I'll be in heels backwards. Nice. Uh, Until next time, I'm Chris. I'm Lori. And I'm Lori's man, Patrick. (laughs) Protégés be damned. And that's a wrap. podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The song Hyperfun is brought to you by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the golden age of the silver screen, the MHN Podcast Network, and Fuzzy Bunny Slippers Entertainment LLC unless otherwise noted.